Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. You're listening to the Qalam Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Lives of the Prophets by Mufti Hussein Kamani. Before we get into the session, I wanted to share a quick message with y'all. Alhamdulillah, since 2011 until now, we have made a commitment here at Qalam to the podcast. All of our instructors are on the Qalam Podcast contributing, recording, and delivering different series and sessions to you. So that no matter where you are, what's going on, you are able to continue to learn and grow and increase the understanding of your religion. What we ask you to do, aside from continuing to listen and sharing the podcast with family and friends, is go to supportqalam.com. Supportqalam.com. Go there and be a part of the cause. Get your own stake and share in the reward of all the good that is going on and be a part of the solution. Go there, donate, be a part of the solution, share the link with family and friends, and be, let's all of us work together to bringing the proper understanding of Islam and the education of the religion to all the people all around the world. Jazakumullahu khairan. Thank you very much for listening. Now on to the session. Now this Aziz Misr, he purchases Yusuf Imam al-Razi rahmatullahi alayhi, while talking about this Aziz, he says, Kana hasuran la walad. He was someone who was impotent. He couldn't have any children. So therefore when he saw this young, handsome child being sold, he thought of one of two possibilities. He turned to his wife after purchasing the child and he said, Akrimi matwahu, that honor him, take care of him. Make sure he isn't treated like anyone. Give him good, give him good care. And then he says, Asa We'll do one of two things. Either we'll make him our child, or we can use him for our services. Either way, this is someone very special. Akrimi matwa. Yusuf now is relocated from Kanaan, Palestine, this Quds, Sham area into Misr. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes reference to that. وَكَذَلِكَ مَكَّنَّا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلِنُعَلِّمَهُ مِن تَأْوِيرِ الْحَادِيثِ وَاللَّهُ غَالِبٌ عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِ This is the key point here. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has full control over all of his affairs. Even though Yusuf alayhi salam was at the bottom of the well, someone might think that Allah lost control of the situation. وَلَا حَوْلَ وَلَا قُوَةَ إِلَّا بِاللَّهِ or when he was being sold in the market, maybe Allah was unaware of the situation. Maybe when he was brought to the, the Aziz's home as a slave, Allah lost control. Because that's what we think. When we are going through our challenges in life, we start wondering, is Allah even in control anymore? Does Allah even know what's going on? Ya Allah, do you not see how much pain I'm in? However, this is a reality that most people just can't comprehend. They just can't understand. Yusuf salam lives in this home. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Yusuf salam grew until he reached his ashud, his most firm age, most, his, his peak age. Now what age was he at this time? Some scholars, they say, سنة, he was 40 years old. Other scholars, they say, he was 33 years old, and um, this is the opinion of Ibn Atiyah. He mentions this in his tafsir, tafsir Ibn Atiyah. 
Now, when Yusuf reaches this age where he's more prime, he's growing up in this house where you have an Aziz who is impotent. He has a wife who is very wealthy. She has power and she's beautiful. The three vices all in one, right? When a person has power, when they have wealth and they have beauty, that's when they are. That's when they become emboldened. That's when they become bold, and they start. Uh, they start taking jura, and they and they engage in wrong. That's why the scholars they say that you should ask Allah to save you from all three, because very few people can can flourish and can thrive when they have all three. When you have all three, usually it'll take you down. When you have power, when you have wealth, and when you have beauty, she had all three. She sees Yusuf one day in the house. Her husband's not home. Yusuf is at home doing his chores. The Mufassirun say she had pre-planned everything. She had locked the doors, closed the curtains, ensured that the house was absolutely quiet and private. And then she began to follow Yusuf Yusuf realized something was off. So he made a run for the door. And behind him, who's also running for the door? She's running for the door too. Why is he running to the door? He's running to the door so he can exit from there. Why is she running to the door? So she can stop him from exiting from there. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes reference to this incident. He says, She locked the doors. She first began to try to tempt him, persuade him. And then after she tried, وَغَلَّقَتِ um, She locked the doors وَقَالَتْ حَيْتَ لَكَ And said, come here! Yusuf responds back by saying مَعَادَ اللَّهِ The protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He's asking Allah Ya Allah أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْهَا أَعُوذُ بِاللَّهِ مِنْهَا Oh Allah, I seek protection in you from her Ya Allah, save me from her She's coming at me What does a person do when they're young? They're unmarried He's so beautiful and handsome himself There's a lady in front of him that's beautiful she has all the desirable characteristics that a man would look for in a lady and she's presenting himself to him and there's no sign of them being caught. No one's there. No one's watching. And at that moment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ هَمَّتْ بِهِ وَهَمَّ بِهَا لَوْلَا أَرْرَآ بُرْحَانَ رَبِّي That she was inclined to him and he was inclined to her had he not seen a clear sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now what does this mean? that she was inclined to him and he was inclined to her. So the scholars, they say, um, what this actually means is she was inclined to him, that's very clear, meaning she was sexually inclined towards him. She had an intention of going towards him. As for when it comes to the second part of the ayah, she was inclined towards him. The second part of the ayah, don't stop there, read the whole ayah. And they translate the second part of the ayah as, and he would have been inclined to her had he not seen that clear sign from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Which means there was no inclination on his behalf because he had seen that sign from Allah. Do you guys understand? Hassan, Ustad Hassan Fay would have exited the masjid if the doors were open. But since the doors were open, what happened? He exited the masjid. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Yusuf saw that symbol, that sign from Allah. Therefore, she had temptation towards him, but he had no temptation towards her. This is one tafsir provided, as you can see in Tafsir al-Qasimi, volume 9. The second tafsir some scholars have given is, 
Um, they say that what she intended towards him was sexual advance, advancement. As for what he intended towards her, وَهَمَّ بِهَا he, did, he intended towards her, but not sexual advancement, rather, وَهُوَ أَنَّ يُوسُفَ هَمَّ بِذَفِعِهَا عَن نَفْسِهِ وَمَنِعِهَا عَن ذَلِكَ الْفِعْلِ الْقَبِيحَ الَّذِي تُرِيدُهُ مِنْهِ What he was doing was, he was intending towards her to find a way to stop her from her advancements, so that he can stop this evil act that she was obsessed with at that moment. And therefore, how do we know that this interpretation is true? Because at that moment, where did, what did he do? Did he stand there or did he run? He ran. He ran to the door to get out of there because that's what he understood to be the right move at that time to save himself from this very sticky and nasty situation that he was in. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, كَذَٰلِكَ لِنَصْرِفَ عَنْهُ السُّوءَ وَالْفَحْشَاءِ إِنَّهُ مِنْ عِبَادِنَ الْمُخْلِصِينَ Now how we know that Yusuf was not sexually inclined towards her, rather the advancements were uh, hers towards him. How we know this is because of the language used in the Qur'an. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not say, لِنَصْرِفَهُ عَنِ السُّوءِ وَالْفَحْشَاءِ So that we can turn him away from evil. You would need to turn him away from evil if he had already committed to the evil. Do you guys understand? He had already committed to the evil, therefore we need to turn him away from the evil. Rather Allah says so that we turn evil away from him because he wasn't committed to the evil. Therefore, now since the evil is coming in his direction and he's here, what did Allah say? كَذَلِكَ لِنَصْرِفَ عَنْهُ السُّوءَ We turn evil away from him. Do you guys understand that? Do you guys understand this nuanced, beautiful, latifa ishara that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leaves for us in this surah? Now, when they run to the door, they find They found the Sayyid, meaning the Aziz, uh, this, the, the treasure at the door. The treasure is puzzled. He sees all the doors are locked, he sees that the windows are closed, he sees his wife is, must be dressed in a particular way, smelling a particular way, looking a particular way. And Yusuf is out of breath, what's going on here? So immediately she takes the initiative. Before Yusuf says anything, what does she say? Qalat, ma man arada bi ahlika su'an illa an yusjan. alim. The summary of her statement is that, what is your thought regarding a person who has ill intentions towards your wife? Can his punishment be anything other than a severe punishment or imprisonment? Now Yusuf is standing there and he's puzzled. What does he say? Qala, That I didn't make any, any advancements towards her, she made advancements towards me. And unfortunately, this is a state of um, sexual and uh, foul abuse and accusations made of this nature. It's a lot of he said and she said. You have to go off the facts. What do you do? So the Quran mentions, وَشَهِدَ شَاهِدٌ مِنْ أَهْلِهَا there was someone there to witness. Someone spoke. Now who was this person? The Mufassirun have given different opinions. One of the beautiful opinions they say that there was an infant in the house. There was an infant in the house. And the infant miraculously spoke. And that's why Zulaikha, or the wife of the Aziz, let the child be in the house because it was an infant. She had no threat that this infant would testify. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala proved her wrong. وَشَهِدَ shahidun min ahliya. The scholars, they say, there are four times in history that, that babies spoke from the cradle. The first 
not in any chronological order. One of them is this here right here, Yusuf Alayhi story. The second is a story of the, the people that were being thrown in the trenches. There was a mother holding her baby and she feared to, be, to jump into the fire because people were, they were being tortured. The people who believed in Allah were being thrown into trenches that were on fire. This was their way of mass killing. And she did not want to jump in that fire and the thought crossed her mind that maybe I should accept what they're proposing and save my child and my imam will be hidden, no harm caused. And that baby, that infant spoke to the mother and said, Mom, that's no fire in front of you, that's paradise in front of you. And the mother took her baby and jumped in. And the third incident is the story of Juraj, which Imam Bukhari narrates. He was, an ab, he was an abid, a worshiper from the Nasara, from the Christian nation. And um, um, his mother called him while he was praying salah and he did not respond to her call. After he finished his prayer, his mother said to him, may you not die until a day comes that you have to walk past prostitutes. That sounds like a really weird dua to make. Um, but for her, she made that dua knowing that her child would find that dua offensive because he was a righteous man and that would be a very lowly thing to happen in life, very degrading thing. And then as time, what happened was, as time went on, there was a lady that one day came and made, an, made a claim against him that he committed zina with me and she brought the baby to court. So the judge became very angry and he had Juraj's church demolished because he said this man acts like he's pious but in reality he's a crook. He had him arrested and brought to court. When they brought Juraj to court, Juraj was made to walk past the road in which prostitutes were standing. And he said, this was a dua given to, against me by my mother. He then came to court and he stood there. And the, and the judge said, did you commit zina with this, young with this young lady? Is this your child? And Juraj, in that moment, he turned to the child and asked the child, who's your father? And the child, that baby, that infant spoke and said, my child, my father is so-and-so shepherd. That's the third incident. And the fourth is Qala inni Abdullah atani al-kitab wa ja'alani nabiyya. Who's the fourth person? Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam. So this is one of those incidents that are quoted. Now what did this witness say? This witness said, I'm not going to say what I witnessed, I'm going to tell you how to judge the case. In kana qamisuhu, if his shirt, qudda min qubul, fasadaqat wa huwa min al-kadhibin. If his shirt is ripped from the front, that means who's speaking the truth? She's speaking the truth, meaning he ripped his shirt himself. And if the shirt is ripped from the back, that means he didn't rip his shirt himself. Naturally, she was chasing him and she tried to grab him and therefore the shirt was ripped. When the Sayyid, when the Aziz Misr, when this person, this leader, this, uh, this treasurer, when he looked where the shirt was ripped and where did he find it was ripped? It was ripped in the back. And he immediately knew that it was his wife's fault. And Yusuf was actually free and of any of these accusations. And that's why he said, Yusuf um, He said, Oh Yusuf, please ignore her. And then he turned to his wife and said, That you know you should ask Allah for forgiveness. Indeed, you were the one that was wrong here. Now the story spreads like wildfire. Even though they didn't have Facebook, they didn't have WhatsApp, but as long as people have been around, gossip has been the key point of conversation. People love gossip. People started talking, man, I heard the other day, Aziz and Mrs. He was volume was a little high, he was a little angry that day, he was telling his wife to do istighfar. Something must have happened in their house. That's yeah, true, they have a very handsome young servant in their house. Let's go find out what's happening. 
hey, guys, we're getting a house. Did you guys hear the news? And slowly, slowly, people started pushing, putting pieces together. And what they realized was that the wife, Imra'atul Aziz, whose name is quoted to have been Zulaikha, was trying to have an affair with Yusuf And they started chit-chatting, started talking. Now, this chit-chat and talk reached the ears of Zulaikha. And she heard that people were talking about her and how cheap and lowly of a person she was because she was trying to have an affair with a slave and servant of the home. This was something that royals wouldn't do. You know, you don't have an affair with someone that's your slave or servant. That's a lowly thing. So why would, why, would, why, would, why would she do that? Maybe she's losing confidence. Maybe she's getting old. People started saying all sorts of ajib things. So Imra'atul Aziz, this Zulaikha, she put a plan in play. She said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to invite them all over. And I'll give them a glimpse of how beautiful the man was that I was interested in. Then we'll see how much they have to say and how much they have to make fun of me and talk about my low standards. We'll see then. So she called them all. When she heard about all these things that they were saying, she invited them all. She set up a nice seating. Everyone was sitting in one common area. Gave each of them a knife to, you know, cut their fruit or cut whatever it was they were eating. Then she went to Yusuf She said to Yusuf you know, can you just cross the room for a moment? I want you to go and just cross the room. Yusuf said, sure. He was naive. He had no idea what was going on. When he walked past the room, what happened to the women? When they saw him, they said, Wow! Woo! They were amazed by this man's beauty. And they cut their hands. They were so lost in beauty that they forgot they were through the fruit or through the food and they were already at their hands. And they began to say, this is no human. This is an honorable angel. So then, Imra'atul Aziz, she then came back and said to the people that, She must have said it with a smirk on her face. That, you know, that person that you were making fun of me about, that I was trying to um, persuade a servant of my house? This is that person. I tried to persuade him, but what happened? He sought to be pure. Then she made a very bold statement. Um, she said that, and if he does not submit to what I want, if he does not engage with me sexually, I will imprison him. There is no running from me. I will get what I want. Yusuf salam hears this, that Imra'atul Aziz, I had one round with her, but she's planning to have nine more rounds. Another 11 rounds, sorry. She's going to keep going at this. She's not going to give up. She really wants me. So what does he do? He says, He says, oh my Lord, prison is more beloved to me in comparison to what she's calling me towards. And if you don't prevent this evil from me, this plan, this, this, this horrible trap from me, akum min al-khasirin or akum min al-jahirin, I will be from those 
who are ignorant and unaware. Ya Allah, I don't know what to ask from you anymore. Allah accepted Yusuf dua and turned away their plotting from him because Allah is all hearing. Now what happened? Yusuf is sent to prison. He's innocent, committed no crime at all. He remained persistent because that's what you do. When you have principle, you stick to it. That I won't engage because it's not okay for me to engage. I can't even marry her. She's already married. How can I engage with the wife of someone that's already married? This is not just a sin. This is ridiculous. So even though she has all intention towards him, he remembers that he's not supposed to engage. As a result of that, she plots against him. She says to her husband, that what are people going to say? What are people going to say? What are people going to say? The best thing for you to do is send Yusuf to prison. Some riwayat, they mention that the Aziz, in order to maintain his name in front of people and to cut down the gossip, he had to either get rid of his wife or get rid of Yusuf, one of the two. If he got rid of one of the two, people would forget the story. But if they were both there and everyone saw their faces every day, the story would continue. If one of them was relocated somewhere else, the story would continue there. One of these two had to be removed. Removing his wife was out of the picture, so he chose to remove Yusuf Even though he knew Yusuf Even though he knew Yusuf was innocent, but he couldn't paint it that way. He had to wrongfully accuse Yusuf of having ill intentions towards Imratul Aziz Zulaikha. Some riwayat they mention that he instructed Yusuf be mounted on a donkey. And Yusuf was made to walk through the streets of Misr while men were standing around him shouting that this man is being sent to prison. He is a criminal, he's being sent to prison. Not only was he sent to prison, but he was humiliated in front of everyone. And Yusuf enters into prison. Now when he enters into prison, Yusuf he meets his two cellies, his two cellmates. These two people were both imprisoned by the king. Yusuf was imprisoned by the Aziz, his cellies were imprisoned by the king. The king got very angry with both of them because of something. There are different riwayat and narrations of why he got angry, but there's something that happened. Some scholars say there was an assassination attempt against the Aziz and uh, they weren't sure who, who was at fault. Was it the baker who tried to poison the food? Or was it the one who served him wine who tried to poison the wine? They weren't sure how the poison came in. But the king was saved, the Aziz was saved, the, the, the Malik was saved. So the, the king had them both in prison until he clarified, cleared up the issue. Now these two people came into prison and they started noticing that this man Yusuf was different. He wasn't like everyone else. He wasn't rough. He wasn't a criminal. He was a good person. He prayed salah, did dhikr, made dua, was very special, was humble and kind. He, had very, he, had a, he was very knowledgeable, very knowledgeable man, had a lot of knowledge. So one day, both of these people saw a dream. They both saw a dream. What was their dream? They saw a dream. One of them saw a dream. One of them saw a dream. He said to Yusuf I saw a dream that I was squeezing out wine. I was squeezing, I was preparing wine for my master. He said, I saw, the second one said, I saw a dream that I had bread that I was carrying above my head and birds were eating. Birds were eating from the bread. Guide us to the interpretation of these dreams. We view you as an excellent man. 
You're a very good-hearted person. You're special. Now, coming back to the point of dream interpretation, don't get your dreams interpreted by every random schmo and weirdo. If you decide to get your dreams interpreted, go to the right people for dream interpretation. The scholars differ in opinion. They say, is the interpretation of the dream dependent on the interpretation given or the interpretation that it was meant to be as decided by Allah when the person saw the dream? Do you guys understand? Let's say for example, Hassan sees a dream. And in his dream, he sees that... That's a good example. Let's see. Let's see he sees a dream that there's a massive bowl of cereal. He jumps in it and he drowns. What's the dream here? There's a massive bowl of cereal and milk and he jumps in there and what happens? He drowns. Now the interpretation of that dream is supposed to be, as we know, milk in dreams usually symbolizes what? Knowledge. Milk in dreams usually symbolizes what? Knowledge. We learned this from the hadith, it's in our narrations. Now it's supposed to mean, inshallah, that Allah is going to bless this man with a lot of ilm. Now he goes to someone to get an interpretation, that guy said you're going to eat a lot of cereal and die. So which interpretation is true? Is it the ta'bir of the mu'abbir? Or is it the intention behind what Allah sent the dream for? Do you guys understand the ikhtilaf? Which one is it? So some scholars they say this, some scholars say that. They're both opinions. That whatever ta'bir is given by the mu'abbir, that's what will occur. They give an example, they say like the interpretation of a dream is like a rock inside the claw of a bird. Wherever the claw opens, the rock will fall. So whatever ta'bir is given by the mu'abbir, what will happen? That's what will occur. That's one interpretation. And other scholars, they say, that's not how it works. If you give wrong ta'bir, it's wrong. It doesn't make it right. The ta'bir and the true interpretation of that dream will be dependent on what it's meant to be. And wallahu alam, this opinion seems to be more correct. And Allah knows best. These two people come to Yusuf salam and they ask him for inter dream interpretation. Yusuf salam sees an opportunity. See, the thing about people who do da'wah, prophets of Allah, whenever they see an opportunity for da'wah, they take it. They don't waste it. And Yusuf salam, even though he's in prison, life's not really going for him at this point. He's innocent, he's been in prison, potentially humiliated for a crime he didn't commit. He's sitting in prison and everything looks like it's going bad, but Yusuf gives it a flip. And he says, you know what, I can do some da'wah here. So he says to these two guys, I'll share your dream and its interpretation, but I'll share it before you have your next meal. Before the next meal is served, you'll have your interpretation. But until then, there are one or two other things I need to share with you. Now, these people must be wondering, how does this guy know their interpretation of our dreams? If someone interprets your dreams accurately, you start wondering, is there some magic involved here? Some voodoo involved? Maybe this guy has a jinn that tells him dreams in their interpretation. Maybe this person is a god. Maybe this person is a messenger. You know people, not messenger because he was a messenger, but you know people, they start thinking something supernatural when a person starts interpreting dreams. So Yusuf makes it very clear so their aqidah is not derailed even for a second. This ability to interpret dreams is not something that I've developed myself. Rather, مما, مما This is something my Lord taught me. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala taught me how to interpret dreams. Now Yusuf alayhi salam is sitting with these two people and his opportunity is there. These people are in need of him. They're giving him their ear. So Yusuf alayhi salam, before he shares the dream, he pitches some da'wah at them. Ya sahiba ya sijin. Oh my two companions of prison. A'arbabun mutafarriqoon khayrun amillah al-wahid al-qahar. One simple question. Are multiple dispersed gods better? So many gods. Is that better? Or one god, Al-Wahid, one god, Al-Qahar, who is all-powerful. As for all these names that you've given to your gods, these are names that you and your forefathers made up. You know that this god of yours, he said a god's name, this god was created by so-and-so person in your history because your history documents that. That this person, so-and-so person from our tribe, was the first person to come up with this, with this god, with this name, who had X, Y, and Z features. You admit to that. So is it better for you to continue to rely on your forefathers and what they said, or should you rely on revelation? What Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Sultan. Allah revealed no such thing. But yet you people are deluded. And he continues, And then Yusuf salam interprets their dreams. He says to these two people, Ya sahiba yasijin, O my two companions of prison. This is where they see that their thoughts regarding Yusuf were not faulty, they were true. He was special. He says, One of you will go back to his old job. You will go back to serving wine to your master. As for the second one, you will be hung. Birds will eat from your head. The matter has been decreed on what you ask about. Then Yusuf said, najin. And as for one of the two, one of the two, the one that was going to go back to his old job, the one that was going to live, najin, the, one, the one that would be free, wouldn't be executed, he said to him, When you reach your master, mention me to him. You know me. I'm a good person. I'm innocent. I didn't do anything. Why don't when you get there, because you're going to go back to working for the king, mention my name to him. The Mufassirun here, Ibn Kathir and others, they say, that even though what Yusuf said was absolutely right, but hasanatul abrar sayyatul muqarrabin. What that means is that even though what he said was right, but for someone of his stage, of his maqam, to seek help from another human being in such a difficult situation was not appropriate. Because Anbiya should not rely on humans, they should rely completely and solely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here they mention this point, that it may be, some scholars they say, that due to him shifting his focus even for that moment from Allah to the, uh, to the king and trying to find another way out rather than relying solely on Allah, that may be the reason why he for, well, that, one, that this man forgot him. Because what happened? As soon as this man left prison, فَأَنْسَاهُ الشَّيْطَانِ ذِكْرَ Rabbi. As soon as that man left, after Yusuf salam interpreted his dream, he left very soon, he was back at his job. When he got back to work, what happened? He forgot Yusuf What happened in return? It was seven years. can also come for seven. The scholars, they say that he lived in prison for many more years then. Actually, the Quran says that for many more years. Now, how many years was it? Some say 10 years, some say 12 years, some say 15 years, some say 20, some say seven. Yusuf remained in prison for a long period.
and the trial continues. 